Welcome, everyone, to Season 4, Episode 143 of the Premier Pod. I'm your host, Yashpika, joined by my co-host, Tyler Chan. In this episode, we got, obviously, the normal Manchester United-Liverpool talking points and a pretty fun wild card, bringing it back to the FIFA conversation, but um, some big news that happened that broke, actually, yesterday in the FIFA world, or FIFA and EA, essentially, world of the video game industry. But we'll get into that in a little bit later. Um, I wanted to say, I guess we're going to switch it up a little bit. We're going to start it off with Manchester United uh, this time. We're going to start off Manchester United this time. Not much crazy has happened. I mean, like, basically, they lost 4-0 to Brighton. Um, Basically, with that loss, it was... It was confirmed that this has been like the worst ever Premier League season for Manchester United, conceded the most goals, um, the most away losses or the most losses in a Premier League season, the fewest point total they can achieve um, since the Premier League was founded. So, yeah, just an overall really down season for Manchester United. Uh, One, a lot of fans probably just went erased um, out of their minds. And yeah, one more game left in the season is kind of the mentality now where it's just one more game left and we can finally put the season behind us and move forward. Um, but I thought what was interesting was not necessarily game because at, at this point the season's lost and we knew that, but um, the kind of reshuffling that's kind of been going around in the backwards backroom staff for Manchester United. Um, obviously, we know in terms of the head coaching uh, front, Eric Ten Hag will come in. He actually won the Arrow to VC today with uh, Ajax, so congrats to Ten Hag getting his last league title there. But obviously, we know he's coming in. He's most likely going to bring in his uh, main number two. Um, he's going to be coming along with him. Uh, we obviously know Ralph Ranić will be kind of doing the consultancy role alongside doing um, the job with the Austrian national team, kind of doing working a hybrid job there. Um, but Richard Arnold, who is now kind of the, he took over uh, Ed Woodward's position, uh, I believe uh, a couple months ago, um, basically took over his position and has kind of been the main orchestrator for kind of changing a lot of the stuff um, or making um, the plans to kind of re re re, re- I guess, renovate or change up kind of the backroom staff of the hierarchy of Manchester United. So that meant um, appointing like director of football, um, you know, getting a lot of people in the club that can help bring the club back in a footballing aspect. And one thing that he kind of, um, there was a report that he was kind of upset about was the, actually the communication strategy for Manchester United. Um, You don't really see that with a lot of clubs that, you know, the owners or the, director of football or like that backroom head technical staff um, is kind of making a point to maybe reorganize the communication strategy at Manchester United. But um, basically the, the way it was is that he was just, he's kind of upset about uh, the overall, I wouldn't say tone deafness, but kind of like the overall voice Manchester United kind of projects on social media or through, um, you know, YouTube and any of their other social outlets. Um, because I think it, it has come under scrutiny in the past where sometimes, you know, when there is a bad result after a bad result, it'll kind of put like a very like positive looking tweet and it just doesn't really fit the vibe. And just overall, like the, the overall strategy or the voice behind it, um, they kind of look, they're looking to retool it or restructure it. And I just thought that was very interesting because it definitely shows that, Hey, maybe this, um, this change at least is kind of what, 
it's like a new step forward. And I guess yeah. there's no more apology videos from Bruno Fernandez or yeah, no apology videos <laughs> McGuire anymore. Exactly, no apology videos, and also, um, I guess gives gives Manchester United fans hope that like okay, now it's time, or now they're actually kind of rethinking and actually trying to change everything from the top to bottom. Like no, this sounds mean, but like no sector or no sector of the club is safe essentially which is i think a good thing because the results and the overall structure of the club has just not been there since fergie has left so i think it's good that they've been trying to go out of their way to retool it and um get it a bit better so i I just thought that was really interesting because you don't really hear that coming out of a lot of um big teams or big organizations yeah and that's something that's also kind of new or you know as manchester united coming out of fergie era is very as you mentioned yesterday in the previous few seasons, it's been very antiquated, very much like it was all under Fergie. And then once he left, that kind of kind of man that was just had all the strings to everything kind of went away. Everyone else was like, all right, what do we do now? We're kind of already behind technologically mm-hmm. in terms of like also in terms of like just the scouting and just using data from just like finding folks. Whereas like back in the days with Fergie, he's just like, I know this one's good. This one's good. I can coach this one and it's good to go. And then man, you just always win. But ever since then, you guys have still been kind of recovering from that. And now I feel like y'all just kind of catching up, getting all those new eras of even having social media as a part of the club and kind of getting used to that and knowing how to communicate, you know, results and having a standard because Manchester United is kind of a joke right now being in sixth place and being like, you know, we'll come back from this. It's okay. Like if this was like Klopp or Pep you know, at the helm, he'd be in there yelling at everyone. Whereas like Rednick right now is kind of, he's being very upfront about it, but you know, the standard is something like he's mentioning where it's just like, this is not okay. And finally, I feel like with this kind of change and behind the scenes is finally kind of, it's not just words being spoken. It's actually like you can talk to cock, but now it's time to, you know, finally walk the walk. And this is kind of doing it right here mm-hmm. where, all right, it's time to just get rid of everything and then kind of bring that standard back to having Manchester United be super competitive and try to go for top four every single season and not barely miss out on even Europa League right now. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, and it's then a bit maybe, difficult. But yeah, maybe it'll be less just sadness for the future. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm... That's what I'm hoping for. And I think what's also interesting is um, there was a tweet because a lot of people, they kind of make the the joke that a lot of United fans say like, oh, the Glazers never really invest a lot of money in the club. Um, And then a lot of rival fans say, oh, you guys spent like close to a billion dollars since Fergie left. What do you mean they didn't invest? I think, you know, I can go on a big tirade rant, but like you can look it up yourself. Like they basically bought the club using like their like using their debt um, of Manchester United, like kind of. Like with that, and ever since they've taken over, the club has been in debt and they continue to take shares out um, to pay themselves. And the club has just just been in debt in cycles since um, the Glazers have been in charge. Um, and they also, um, from a lot of people have said that um, that go to Old Trafford and pundits alike, they said Old Trafford is in desperate need of renovation. It's a stadium. It's a really good stadium, but um, it's needs renovation and the and the glazers have not done that also the training facility uh used to be one of the big top tier of its class maybe 20 25 years ago but now compared to the likes of tottenham and liverpool's new training center manchester city it's just below par of the standard of the normal premier league standard and top european clubs so 
there's just a lot of stuff like that where the the resources haven't been put into those areas. And it just shows because when you have a stadium that needs renovating, a training center that is not up to par towards the other European elites, I mean, it's just, it, it doesn't, it doesn't live up. And then obviously um, you can go back and you, it, there's articles written about it, just how like the club has always been in debt since they've been in and how they just have not invested anything back. Um, and it was also funny. There was a tweet that when United sold Ronaldo in the first time to Real Madrid, they replaced him with Michael Owen, Antonio Valencia, Ashley Young, and a couple other guys. And, and it's just, it's just funny because Usually when a club gets that much money for a top player, they usually try to reinvest it to get another top player. But Manchester United, basically with their transfer strategy or the fact that there was barely any budget, it was just, hey, we're just going to replace him with Antonio Valencia. That's going to be our new number seven. Um, and, I, you know, it's just kind of laughable because it, that's just not any modern club would just not function that way. I mean, even the likes of Liverpool when they lost Wijnaldum, I know they bought Thiago kind of in that, the same time as Wijnaldum, but essentially Thiago kind of made up for the loss of Wijnaldum or they went and bought like other midfielders or other players to kind of supplement themselves. And Man City obviously do that all the time. But yeah, it, it's just, uh, I hope change is coming because as we've seen, just they've, the Glaciers and like the whole club as a whole has shown signs of just some, some signs of just, yeah, it's just incompetence has been rotting at Manchester United. Hopefully now at least, we see some positive changes towards the, towards the light, at least. Hopefully, in terms of scouting, especially, I feel like because even on top yeah. of what you just said, like Manchester United pulled a very Tottenham move where they got rid of Bale and they got like four players, but only one really worked out, and that was Ericsson back in the day of yeah. Tottenham. But mm-hmm. with Manchester United, I mean, even you know Valencia, he was all right. He wasn't Ronaldo, but he was like he was all right. Yeah. And then Ash Ashleaf Young, as my friends like to call him, he was, <laughs> he was decent as well. I don't know why he played um, left back for a little bit, but that's a, that's a whole different story. But I mean, even then, just getting in that mentality of replacing someone with just even even better player. Even Man City, they don't even have a player leave the club. They just buy someone else's. Like, yeah, you got Jack Grealish just coming yeah. in for no reason. <laughs> so, yeah, Manchester United, if they can scout the right players and do that, then I feel like that's also a good step. Not just buying players just because of the name, too. Like, you know, mm-hmm. Falcao, <laughs> Di Maria, yeah. stuff like that, but... Yeah, I think I, I think that's a big thing as well. And I also, I guess one last point, um, I think that's another big thing. And I, I, I think with the likes of Ten Hag and Ra- Ralph Rennick, um, it seems like both of them are also very shrewd in terms of being very direct in what they want and not kind of budging. And I think that's really good because um, I think you need that. And also I, I hope that with Rennick being in consultancy role and then them hiring the right pieces behind the scenes, um, hopefully they can get the scouting department correct and they can go out and find these players that you don't necessarily have to spend a hundred million on and you can get away with spending like 25, 30, but then they develop into becoming good players. Um, and yeah, the, the whole scouting department in general just needs a whole revamp as well. So hopefully the changes we see this off season can hopefully result in more positive momentum for Manchester United in the future. Cause they definitely need mm-hmm. it. The money will help. I mean, you saw Lester, they, Sold Harry Maguire for eighty million, and then now they have a new training ground. <laughs> so yeah. maybe uh, Manchester United can do that. Maybe upgrade Old Trafford. Maybe there's their training ground selling Matic. <laughs> you never know. But I forgot y'all had stocks too. I mean, it's kind of a rough time for stocks. 
And yeah. this is not a financial podcast. Yeah, but United's publicly so funny traded how, company. <laughs> Manu, the stock ticker. Manu. <laughs> right now, uh, it's $13 a share. So there you go. If you want to own part of Manchester United, apparently, I guess you can buy this one stock. I probably wouldn't invest right now. It's not a good time. <laughs> not um, only in terms of like just the whole market, but also just menu as a club. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe rough. get in, get in right now. It's downtime, so you never know. Yeah, but that's a that's a different kind of podcast. Yeah, this it's, is not financial advice. Yeah, <laughs> it's been it's been rough, but I hope I hope it gets better. But I guess moving on towards uh, Liverpool, they've kind of had like a I guess their version of a rough week this um, this past weekend where. On Saturday, or it was Sunday actually, no Saturday. Um, Saturday. They had the big matchup against Spurs, um, Liverpool versus Tottenham at Anfield, and Spurs were able to actually get away with a one-one draw. Um, and it was actually they went ahead in the second half, and they Liverpool needed a deflective shot out of Luis Diaz to um, basically equalize one-one. Um, and it was about to be like an Antonio Conte masterclass there, but yeah, Liverpool essentially fought back to get a draw. And at that point, it almost, a lot of people felt like that was the end of the Premier League title chase. Uh, and they had a tough matchup against Villa um, where, yeah, it was tough. They actually went ahead. They went down really early, but able to they were able to bounce back super early as well. And they ended up finding the winning goal with Mane. But yeah, with Manchester City basically winning against Wolves today, it's essentially it's just down to Manchester City choking up at one point and it's going to be hard for them to choke up knowing that Manchester City have no other competitions and they can just basically go full throttle on these last two games. And there are two opponents. The last two opponents aren't anything big. I mean, they play Villa on the final day of the Premier League season. So maybe some Stevie G Coutinho magic could get them through. But I mean, Manchester City are just the better side against those two other teams they have to face. So I don't know, man. It, it feels like, unfortunately, it feels like that. It feels like a repeat of that 2018-19 Premier League season where you guys did everything right. And it was just a couple of slip-ups that ended up le- leading to Manchester City crawling their way back into the title hunt. It's, oh man. I was, <laughs> I got to say shout out to our listener, Nitin. He roasted me over the weekend for jinxing uh, the Liverpool title race because I was like, well, Man City have the advantage now because like this is the only competition to worry about the Premier League. Mm-hmm. And he was like, why did you just say that? <laughs> now they're now they're realizing they've gone ham and now they're winning all their games by at least four goals for yeah. the rest of the season appears. And that goal difference, Liverpool had the advantage oh, before yeah, this weekend. City, City brought and, it back. And then City not only brought it back, but now it's so much greater than Liverpool that Liverpool basically have to win out the rest of the games by at least five goals. That's what happened in 2018-19, right? You guys finished level on points? I think it was one point behind. And (sighs) that kind of one point still haunts me to this day. And even I I even mentioned this to to Nitin as well. I was just like, I'd rather lose this season by three points than one point or even by goal difference because it'd be it's it's just too painful. Like it's just so tantalizingly close. I'd rather just be like, all right, it's a legit. L right there rather than it's like, oh, you guys just barely got inched out. So I think uh, I still will say Man City definitely have the advantage facing West Ham and then also Aston Villa. I saw some jokes that maybe Stevie G can just hop onto the pitch and intercept the ball at like the 89th minute. That could be like a Man City game winner or something and then like just take the hit. But I mean, we have to 
we need a miracle unless Man City just happens to lose the last two games of the season, which I think that's the only way at this point. And Liverpool went out big for the last two. I think the title race might be over, unfortunately. And, you know, Klopp kind of said in his interview yesterday against Villa, it's it's a problem that Liverpool have gotten themselves into that a lot of teams don't have. It's a, kind of a luxury problem to be in like a quadruple race and to have mm-hmm. this kind of thing kind of le- looming over them. So although it's 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 rough to see Men City not only pulling these big results, but then also hearing the news that they got Erling Holland in the past yeah. couple of days too, to add on top of the goals that they're already getting in these games. It's uh it's a little depressing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, Liverpool haven't really won the title too many times in the past like 30 years, but now it's going to be even slightly harder. But, you know, to go back into the games real quickly, these results kind of being very close, Liverpool winning one or two one against Villa and then drawing against Spurs. It's a little concerning. I'm not going to lie. It's yeah. And I was going to say, um, not to cut you off there, but I've been seeing a lot of chatter when I've been working on like the timelines we follow. A lot of people have been calling out Mo Salah Essentially saying like since twenty since the start of the new year, he only has four goals that are non-penalty. Uh, mm-hmm. And I don't know from your – because you've been – you've never been the one to ever like scold Salah or like, you know, call any of the front three out. I know like two seasons ago you were kind of mentioning Firmino kind of needs to pick up the load a little bit. But you've never been one like, oh, like he's just a bad player. But yeah, Salah like something something's up with him, man, because he, he just seems like – when I when I have had to cover Liverpool, it always seems like when he comes on, it's either he's, you know, not doing the right pass, or when he tries to pull out the pass, it never works. His the shots aren't the, falling in. Like they're you know, it's just something something's up, and it's not clicking right now for him. Yeah, and that's something I've noticed as well. And even you can see in the comments of most of the games, it's just a lot of people are saying I would trust luis diaz or mane driving up the field with a ball over salah these days yeah something is not right with salah where it's just he's known as a very efficient and strong player where it's just like mentally strong and physically strong and he's you know like he doesn't really do that many spectacular things he just Mm -hmm. is able to finish like the one or two or three chances he gets per game and that's how he kind of makes his money but these days he can't even open up and like get a chance going even against the Everton match a few weeks ago like Mikalenko the Ukrainian the new Ukrainian left back for Everton and Mo Salah were almost like on the same level and I'm thinking Mo Salah he should be on tier one he should be shredding this guy apart but he was being shut down against Mikalenko even against his past game too against Villa he got subbed on and I think it's kind of clear of plot too that yeah he got he didn't really do much and also like look at Dean (laughs) <laughs> Luka Dean's like a little better than Mikalenko of course but I mean even then Mo Salah couldn't really do too much coming off the bench and I think not only that like Klopp is starting to notice it's like all right maybe he needs a little bit of a break maybe we'll just play the other front three of Jota Luis Diaz and Mane instead and also we see like Mane has kind of shifted into that center forward false nine role that Firmino typically does yeah and it's kind of worked out for, for Mane but for most solid right now. I think it's just kind of more mental because, like, it's not like there's been a big, significant physical drop off from him at the start of the, at the start of the year. It's, it's yeah. still the same season as he's gone from the beginning because he's still it, top it goal just, scorer in the league. Yeah, as well. It so, it helps that he built like he was so hot during that October from basically from September to November. He was probably the hottest forward in the planet uh, alongside Kareem Benzema. 
But mm-hmm. it probably doesn't help that during that span of the new year, he lost the AFCON final and then he got eliminated from contention the of the World Cup. Cup by Senegal again. So maybe the the lack of, I guess, letting down his country has played like a big role in terms of his confidence um, and his just overall, yeah, essentially confidence in his ability. But I mean, you guys are very lucky that you guys signed Luis Diaz though, because my God, like that guy has been kind of like a catalyst or a spark plug for your uh, for the whole entire attack and probably the whole team. Because I remember during this Tottenham game, he came on and he just basically was like a thunderbolt and changed the game. And against Villarreal, he did the same thing. And even when he did, when he does start, he provides that little bit of dyna, kind of that dynamism that you would expect from Mo Salah um, to do. But yeah, without Luis Diaz, man, you guys would be in a very different position. I would feel like right now because he's just kind of been a lightning bolt, lightning bolt. In a yeah, I, I agree because. As, I think I mentioned this last week too. It's just like he kind of lights a fire under everyone's butts. Or it's just like yeah. when he gets on, he just does very Neymar-esque kind of things. Or he just tries to juke everyone. He's very good at ball retention. Yeah. And he just rips a shot when he just sees an opening anywhere. So he has a kind of, you never know what's going to happen with him. And that's yeah. kind of like the magic that we have with Luis Diaz. Mm-hmm. But at the same time too, it can't just be him and Mane. We need Salah to kind of step up. And... Right now, it's like, you know, thank goodness Mane and Luis Diaz are going off because Salah, I'm a little nervous. I might even start him in the FA Cup final this upcoming weekend. It's just like something is not right. And that's maybe something for Klopp to figure out. But right now, even statistically, you can see he's been on a dip. And I feel like it's mostly a mental thing. Like, you Mm -hmm. know, you can lose. You can. (laughs) I feel like if I were in his shoes, I'd be sad, too basically let down your you feel like you let down your whole country but i mean it's also kind of like a luxury problem as cough kind of said too where it's like you know you brought your team all the way to a final and now you lost but it's like you know at least you made it to a final and the world cup thing that is still pretty rough not gonna lie yeah like you got tunisia going to the world cup i'm like tunisia yeah (laughs) instead of egypt so i got a little unlucky with the the scheduling and you had to be eliminated by your friend mane of all people too (laughs) twice so it's like what the hell yeah twice so yeah of course, that brings some animosity in that too. And then even on top of that, we didn't even mention the contract. I don't think he yeah, has a contract still. Yeah. So there's just so many things going on with Mo, uh, Mo Salah that I wouldn't be surprised if he's just mentally not right. And that's what's kind of affecting his game because, mm-hmm. you know, technique I mean, and everything get it right is, is still you guys there. got a huge Champions League final, FA Cup final, and the final two Premier League games of the season. Like that's four huge games that essentially you're going to need your best player or your best forward. I mean, you know, he is still your best forward on his day. Like he's no, like no one else on that Liverpool front line can compete, but yeah, he just needs to and get I, his head I will, right. I'll say this. I think this is kind of a hot take, but I think Mo Salah will continue to be in the slump and this kind of state until the Champions League final, because Ooh. I feel like that spark of oh, revenge yeah. That anger is just going to come out in that final. He's going to see yeah. those white kits and be like, all right. Los Blancos. Yeah. <laughs> is, and he's just going to have flashbacks to the freaking dislocated shoulder and everything. And he's going to be like, all right, it's time to it's time to go off. And then, yeah. you know, hey, Mo Salah will go off in the final. And then we'll, I think we'll win the Champions League. I don't, say, I don't think I'll say think. I think we will win the Champions League. And I think it will be because of Mo Salah. Yeah. But up until then, it'll be a little rough. And it'll be up to Luis Diaz and Sadio Mane to carry. And mm-hmm. 
That being said, I feel like this is another hot take. I think Sadio Mane is on track to win the Ballon d'Or this season. Ooh. Because like if you think about it, he helped his country win the AFCON. Yeah. If Senegal make it far in the World Cup, then that's another thing. Because like, yeah. you know, if you think of Croatia with Modric, they made it to you know World Cup final, which is mm-hmm. a pretty high achievement. But also Sadio Mane right now, they're on track to potentially win at least three of the four. They're favorited to win at least three of the four of the quadruple. And that's a lot of trophies right there and like yeah. a lot of achievements. And most, I think Mane also right now is also on track for the golden boot, if yeah. I'm correctly yeah, remembering He has that. to catch up a bit, but I mean, if Salah's not scoring, <laughs> he's the only other person that can score. So, And that'd be kind of sad if he beats out Mo Salah for that too. So then oh, Mo Salah's like, what the heck? The triple that's, whammy. I hate this man. Triple whammy right there. Loses all the trophies. That is interesting. He's I, so. I, I will say for me, I, 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 I would think the Ballon d'Or, if I had to pick, I think it would favor Benzema just because I mm-hmm. think he's having kind of an unreal, like magical-esque season. I think if he were to win the Champions League, I think that would be like the ultimate like cap yeah, off stamp. of like a, a brilliant season. Um, but that is a good shot. I didn't really peg Mane to be in that Ballon d'Or race, but that, that is a pretty... I feel like if he pulls off a Modric where he is kind of the main guy in the World Cup where he literally is scoring the goals, assisting and kind of being the start, like winning man of the matches, I could definitely see that argument. But I feel like he would need like a really strong World Cup as well. Yeah, I think if they make it even to the semis, yeah. I think that's enough because typically African teams don't make it too far. The farthest I can remember, I think even historically, was that Ghana team in 2010. Oh, yeah. Because that was a very historical quarterfinal match that... <laughs> Louis, yeah. Luis Suarez kind of just ended them, but uh, in a very illegally or way. maybe illegally, illegally like way. Game ships, I don't know. Just yeah. playing the rule book so, to his hands. Such. But I mean, on top of that, too, you know, we've kind of criticized Mane throughout the recent seasons where he's not yeah. the same Sadio Mane as before. He's not as clinical, he's not as agile that you've seen like back in the days. And he shifted into this new position of playing more central. And he's, yeah. you know, he's working magic. He's doing some. I would say Mo Salah-esque kind of finishes and it's just like yeah. some clutch goals. So I feel like he's also kind of like stopped trying to do like the more the Luis Diaz-esque extraordinaire like finishes, like trying to just bike it randomly or, you know, stuff we saw from him like a couple seasons ago. I feel like now he's just like, he's almost what, 30 now? He's like 29. So he's just taking the more simple, simple but effective route where mm-hmm. He knows, okay, if I just side food it, it's going to go in. I don't need to, you know, try to like Rabona it or like, he never did the Rabona, but like, he doesn't need to, you know, try to like, do something too dude, flary, you know? Like the chop back against Watford. Yeah. The no look. Like, <laughs> like he could just he still keep pulls it that every once in a while. But yeah, but yeah, I feel like but, now I've like seen him, I feel like he just keeps it a bit more simple. And now Luis Diaz is almost taking on that Mane role where he just is the one always. Because I've seen Luis Diaz, he's kind of fluffed some finishes because he's tried something kind of like, like a bike. Yeah. You could like, just like do like a scissor kick and then it hits his knee instead of his foot. Yeah. It's so like, he, come on, man. He's definitely taking on the mantle of like, hey, I'm just going to try something and see if it works. And yeah, I feel like every team kind of needs that type of player because it can, you know, sometimes when you do that, it can maybe lead some chances because defenders don't know what that guy's going to do. So they might, you know, you know, it just scares the defenders because you don't know what he could do. He could just pull off like a Travella and just like score from, I don't know, somewhere. But you just never yeah. know. You need that type of player, you know, that can do something exactly. crazy. Uh, and like that kind of flair, I guess that's the good way to put it, is something that's kind of shifted away from Mo Salah and Sadio Mane, I guess, in, in our opinions. And even with Firmino, too, 
Like he's Does a he even play? quote unquote five star skiller. He's on the bench now. He's been injured for a little bit. So yeah, we'll I see if he, he gets bench some playing Villa, time. But like, I guess like it makes sense not to play him because I think last season Jota just kind of took on the mantle of like being Firmino's replacement almost. Mm-hmm. I still feel like Firmino is better than Jota. That's also, I feel like, another hot take. I feel like that position... I have seen some people say that Jota, if he doesn't score, is kind of bad, like, overall. I don't watch enough will... Liverpool to make that assumption, but mm-hmm. I've been seeing takes that a lot of people have been saying Jota's kind of, like, man, if he doesn't score or something. I would agree with that, because, like, um, he doesn't really... This is just a roast of, like, Liverpool <laughs> forwards right now, but, like... <laughs> Because, I mean, it's kind of true. Like, it's Jota doesn't really create as many chances as a Firmino would. And it's usually Jota who gets those kind of random chances and he just puts them away. But if he doesn't put them away, it's like he doesn't really contribute too much else to the team. He's very much just a very good finisher. And if he's not fed or if he doesn't have, like, a clear-cut chance just, like, laid to him, then it's... I don't really see him doing too much to kind of create his own chances or, like, you know doing any kind of flair-esque kind of things that you see from like a Firmino or a yeah. Luis Diaz to really make his, make his own space and then, you know, rip something crazy. All of his goals are typically very simple. And, yeah, you know, that's a good headers. thing. It's a good thing because yeah. he has like 15 goals already. And that's a pretty good achievement. Yeah. But, you know, he's yeah. not going to be a superstar. I think he's yeah. going to be a very high-end, above-average kind of rotational player. Mm-hmm. And, you know, every team needs that. But you never know. He's still pretty, he's still relatively young. He's like our age. Yeah. So he's still got yeah, a lot more years to come, but and I you know. and I was gonna say that's pretty interesting. Like I guess um uh like we didn't mention but like Fabinho, they basically confirmed that he's gonna be out, I think, up until the Champions yeah, League out. final for the hamstring, or is he out for the Champions League final as well? He's out for the rest of the Premier League season. And the FA Cup final. And the FA Cup final, which so he could make a he could make a comeback for the Champions League, he but could. it's kinda like fifty fifty, like leaning towards no. Um, I'd be a little nervous chucking him yeah. into a Champions League final <laughs> coming off a hamstring yeah. injury because. So know, I, I wanted it, to bring that up because I have actually I've seen on like Liverpool timeline Twitter that uh, people have been calling out Fabinho saying that he's kind of a fraud where he's just like the Casemiro <laughs> fraud. And like from a Liverpool fan that's watched it, is he really because I also have a fan that's kind of um, he's just a general Premier League fan. Like he loves Arsenal, but he watches a lot of the big games as well. And he he noticed that he made the point that. Um, he feels like Fabinho can get a bit rattled, and when he gets rattled, he can kind of make some rash decisions. But from a Liverpool mm-hmm. fan that's obviously watches Liverpool all the time, like is Fabinho is he like the is he really that goaded as a center defensive mid, or is the idea of Fabinho greater than what he actually brings to the table? I think I don't think Fabinho is overrated or anything. I think he's actually very good. I think the criticism mm-hmm. I'm surprised he's getting criticized like that. <laughs> if anything, <laughs> like. I, he was injured last game like against Villa yesterday. So that yeah. explains why he had some very rough ch- touches and explains why he had a pretty rough game prior to being subbed off for the hamstring injury. Yeah. I think him at the club, he has a very specific role where he breaks up counterattacks really well. And he helps Robertson and Trent Alexander-Arnold push up. He covers for both of them, essentially, by, having, being, by moving that kind of back line of having behind him Van Dyke or Konate slash Matip behind him and yep. kind of some is like a third center back at times. And he mm-hmm. and he stops a lot of those breakaways from happening because, you know, they're very exposed and very high high up on the line. And yeah. without him, there's not really another player on the team, maybe besides like a Henderson. 
that can really break up plays and really has that kind of physicality that Fabinho does have. And it was a little yeah. surprising too. They've been scoring a decent amount of goals this season. Yeah, most he has uh, since he's been at Liverpool. Most in the mm-hmm. season. At and, and I feel like if anything, I don't think he's, you know, any kind of player like a Draymond Green or like a Sergio Ramos that's just like, very up in the face of every other player. He yeah. will occasionally put in a rash tackle here or there. But he's not cursing out the other team. He's not doing any <laughs> dark art defending. He's very like much Diego Costa. He's not just yeah. trying to like, <laughs> not like Diego. <laughs> he's not he's not gonna beat up someone in the crowd like a Cantona. He's very much trying to mild manner most of the parts mm-hmm. until he just has like little split seconds of like, all right, I'm a CD, I'm just gonna like truck this guy and grab a yellow. Yeah. yeah or maybe he gets beaten on the run because someone else is faster and he's like, all right, I'm just gonna tug this guy down. <laughs> so I think he's a very typical CDM kind of player. He was a yeah. right back for his early parts of the career and he shifted into CDM. But I think he's still really good. I think he's still one of the top CDMs in the Premier League. I can't really name another one off the top of my head that might be better. Maybe Rodri. But yeah, I mean, for his role at Liverpool, I feel like he's kind of irreplaceable. I was literally thinking at the same time, he's kind of getting a little on the older side, you know, late 20s. Yeah, And I don't know if there's a Liverpool player that can replace him. Yeah. And if there is a, a player to come in, that Liverpool would try to transfer in. I, I don't really know who could really take that mantle because mm-hmm. he just does it so well. He's just very composed, and that's probably the key word. You see his penalties, like when he has to step up for him. <laughs> what's that? What's the word? He uh, cool. Conflict. What's that penalty kind of, or what's that type of penalty where you just kind of dink it over the keeper? Panenka, Panenka, yeah. Kepa in the yeah. in a final, like that kind of composure. Something you can't really teach. Yeah, it's just something you have, mm-hmm. and. You know, for Fabinho, that composure kind of is exhibited on the pitch. And nice. I feel like that's something that is not really, it's, it's an intangible, but also it's just something you can't really teach. Yeah. So now that's, I think that's, he's just been injured. No, that, <laughs> and I think he's that's, still really uh, good. I think it's a pretty good observation. Um, yeah, because I like Fabinho, but I did notice a lot of chatter about some, maybe they were just like very, just kind of emotionally in the heat Liverpool fans or they're just like, oh, he's just not that good. But I think that's <laughs> I think that's a pretty good like uh discourse on him. I guess one last thing on like a Liverpool player that um they were like Navicata is like the most like they were like Navicata's gotta be the most hard to like footballer of all time because like he'll put in one performance where it's like ten out of ten and the next game will be like almost like one out of ten. And you're like, how is this guy how did this guy just do this last week but can't do it the next week? Um I'm assuming you probably had the same take where he's just like he could be like the best midfielder of all time one game and then the next game it's like man this guy looks like he probably plays for Watford or something yeah I will say for Keita <laughs> he's gonna be very I I have to agree with that one like Keita is also one of the ones that has been frustrating me personally as well just because yeah I feel like this kind season of basically that's like the it. first time he's ever been like kind of fit most of the time right yeah mostly fit and I feel like I feel like the frustrating thing about Keita is that he does show like glimpses of like oh this is good potential but he's he's been at the club for a few years now, and he's I don't think he's gotten that much better since Leipzig. His days there, yeah. And if anything, he's been very bang average. Like his his performances at times, like yeah, he gets a few chances to open up for like Sadio Mane or Luis Diaz. He does a good pass here there, rips an occasional long shot that goes off to the side. But like defensively, he doesn't really do too much. And also, it's just I can't tell what his role is. <laughs> I feel like it's like a subpar Tiago, except yeah. Tiago is like a master class in passing. Whereas for Keita, I can't really tell what his role is. He's 
he's decent at ball retention. He's decent as at finding and making like big chances. But besides that, he's kind of a liability defensively. He's not very too durable. And at times he just really just has a bad game. Like he just doesn't know how to really open up and like kind of separate himself from the opponents if they kind of lock him down. Mm-hmm. So it's, I personally like Curtis Jones more. <laughs> That's another hot take. Yeah. And I wish Curtis Jones had some more playing time, but you know, Keita is one of the most expensive African players of all time. Mm-hmm. You can't really just bench him. Yeah. And, you know, usually Klopp is not afraid to like bench certain players regardless of the, you know, the price tag that came with them, but, or like the transfer fee, but there's something the training staff sees in Keita that I, maybe it's just not being translated onto the pitch all the time. But at least for me, it's statistically as well. It's just like he's not getting the assists. He's not getting the goals. And he's getting the minutes now that he usually hasn't gotten the past several seasons due to the injury. But it's like he's not really making too much of it. He's not. We need someone that's like a Wijnaldum that can like, you know, go box to box and do something with himself to like score those goals here and there. But, you know, Keita is like maybe like once every other month. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, bro, what the heck? I thought you were supposed to be OP. But yeah, he's yeah. just been very bang average. So... Yeah, yeah. So very, very interesting take on like some Liverpool players there. But um, <laughs> yeah, we got like on a yeah. Liverpool player tangent. But hey, that's you know sometimes how it is. Like there's a they've had a really good season, but that doesn't mean um, certain underrated or underperforming players. Like they don't, they don't like you know you can mask it for a while, but when it comes to crunch time, that's when like those like complaints start coming out because it's like you kind of been giving them the leeway the whole season, but now it's like it's time to step up because yeah. like, time really you- matters. This is the time when big players need to, you know, yeah, as you said, step make up. Make their and name, yeah. Make their name and why they're at the club. And right now, Nabi Keita, Nabi Lad. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's very similar, I feel like, to Alberto Moreno at the club mm. when we had him. He was like, he's just <laughs> Coutinho's friend. <laughs> yeah. That's why he's there. And then Keita is like Mane's friend. So that's why he's there. But, uh, yeah. you know, you saw the potential. Like, we thought... I don't think he's going to be like Conte or anything because like he's they're not the same defensively. But I thought he'd be able to bring as much impact to the team as much as Conte did bringing or going to Chelsea where it's like they almost they completely changed the midfield when he came in. Mm-hmm. And Keita had that potential. He was a tots in his last season at Leipzig yeah. or a team of the season. Yeah, when and they he was, bought him, there was so much promise. When they bought him, they literally let him stay at Leipzig for another season just for that to like let him develop mm-hmm. even more. But yeah, it's very interesting to see how these players perform, um, knowing that you watch them every day and just kind of getting that intake there. But I guess moving on to our wildcard topic, uh, pretty interesting one. Um, I think the the news was that on yesterday, which was uh, Tuesday, uh, FIFA basically officially announced that um, FIFA and EA Sports will officially split after the making of FIFA 23. Um, If you didn't know, I'm sure you all know that EA Sports um, has been the main um, game developer uh, for the FIFA franchise since, I guess, like FIFA 1990. Like, they've been making the games for like 20 years. since I guess like FIFA 98 when they came came out on the PS1. And FIFA has been the main developer uh, for the FIFA franchise since. And yeah, Pez and, you know, Pro Evolution Soccer has kind of come in, but they've come in under like Konami as like an independent brand, not affiliated with FIFA. Uh, but this is kind of big news because essentially EA Sports announced that they will still continue making the games that we know as FIFA, but they will now be rebranded as EA Sports FC um, from FIFA, from basically from after FIFA 23 is made, they will now be rebranded as EA Sports FC. 
And I think it's really interesting because um, if you didn't know the way the game kind of works is that FIFA, just because it's under the name FIFA, that doesn't mean that all the um, players, club names and everything you see falls under FIFA just because it's under FIFA as a governing body. EA Sports actually had to go out and grab the licensing for the Premier League, Bundesliga, La Liga, um, the licensing for a lot of specific teams, stadiums, players, all their likeness. And because they were able to get the licensing for all of that, and they've been locked in for like deals with these um, leagues and clubs and teams for a long period of time, they were able to um, basically make the game feel authentic because you had the real player names in there. And because of the split, uh, EA Sports FC, which is what it's now going to be known as in the future, they will still have access or they will still be able to um, put out the same game, but it just wouldn't be under the name FIFA. They'll still have all the licensing. So you really don't have to worry about that. And I guess like the bigger thing is that going forward, news-wise, the game really isn't going to change. It's just going to literally be the branding of the game. Instead of being instead of it being called FIFA 24, it will now be called EA Sports FC, probably 24. But all the gameplay, all the players, all the stadiums, everything you normally see with like Champions League rights and all of that, will still be under EA. And FIFA, um, they announced that they will also make their own game after FIFA 23. Um, and they will be able to keep like the FIFA name, but they will have to go um, outsource it to a third-party developer. So maybe pay people like 2K or another company comes in to help make um, a, com- a competitor in the field. But yeah, it, it's interesting because I think, I don't know how this really benefits FIFA because I don't know if, why, if you're FIFA, why wouldn't you just want to stay with EA? Because FIFA obviously doesn't have a really good brand name in general because there's a lot of corruption in the FIFA organization. Um, A lot of people are not fans of where the World Cup is going to be hosted this year in Qatar. Basically, it's being built on a lot of the stadiums are being built on like slave labor. Uh, So FIFA in general just does not have a very good name. And I feel like EA and like the FIFA video game has been a very synonymous thing, even in American culture, where People that don't even follow soccer know the game FIFA and they're like, oh, I'll, I'll play FIFA. Like, I, I play FIFA. Like, they won't even watch soccer, but they'll be like, I know what FIFA is. Um, and I feel like FIFA removing themselves from EA, it's like, why would you do that? Because now FIFA will most likely put out a worse product than what EA are going to be able to put out because EA's had the 20 years of research and development to build the game they can make. Um, so it'll be interesting. Um yeah, it's just kind of a wild thing that they just decided to kind of break up and now go in two separate directions now. That's so goofy. Imagine growing up now, like all the kids are about to get into this game. They're going to be like, yeah, I play EA Sports FC. Mm-hmm. It's like, what the heck is that? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it did they abbreviate to something. Maybe it's like EASF. I don't know. It's FIFA has always been such a staple word. And I feel like there is a slight confusion the reverse way around where it's like, I had some friends that don't really watch soccer too much. They're like, yeah, I watch FIFA. I'm like, the game? They're like, no, no, no. Like, you know, the competition that's, uh, you know, like the FIFA competition. I'm like, you mean the, the World, World Cup? Cup? And they're like, yeah, yeah, the World Cup. The FIFA, yeah, FIFA, the one who makes the game too. I'm like, ah, uh, that's just the name. <laughs> yeah. So I, could definitely, I guess that confusion will go away. But I, I definitely could see a scenario where, you know, you probably have like a, you're buying a video game for like a kid. Or like your child that's like really into the like, you know, soccer and they would just want to play like a soccer video game. And I could definitely see a scenario where a parent has two options like FIFA or EA Sports FC. And they probably not knowing that 
EA Sports FC has it's the same game as the old FIFA's it's just rebranded they may opt to get like the FIFA game and the FIFA game may end up being like crap but then your kid is stuck with the crappy game because you couldn't it, it was hard to differentiate from uh, EA Sports FC and FIFA because you would think FIFA you just think of oh it's a World Cup so it has to be like the legit game you know that ripped to all the kids who also got like the, the wrong Xbox last Christmas because of the branding <laughs> It was like Xbox oh, yeah. One X versus whatever the, the new one is. X? I don't even know what it is. Or something like Series yeah, X. I don't yeah. Even know. So um, for this in particular, unless they make the branding of the cover very apparent, it's like this is a soccer game. I don't know if they were able to do it too. Like if you showed someone the, the front of, say, Madden versus NXL. Actually, no, NXL is pretty <laughs> it's pretty apparent. But like yeah. I don't know. Actually, no, I guess soccer is kind of more distinct compared to the other sports if you think about it. But anyways. It's it's such a very unique name in terms of EA Sports FC. Like it's not many folks really know what even FC stands for. Like the common folk, I would say. And mm-hmm. it's gonna be a it's gonna be a bit of a learning curve. I feel like to kind of switch off FIFA and then just go into EA Sports FC. It's yeah. I think it, we're just boomers just complaining about it, but yeah. <laughs> it's just I think, it's true though. It's like this is such a big rebrand that just came out of nowhere. Yeah, and I think it was obviously like obviously it had a lot to do with contractually because I think FIFA wanted I think FIFA's stipulation was that if they wanted to continue with EA, they wanted to I don't know they were asking for a lot of money and I think um, they were also asking for something else and EA didn't want to they were I think they were asking to outsource something and EA didn't want to do that they wanted to keep it all in house um, but I will say because EA I think still the advantages advantages with EA because they still have. Um, the licensing deals with the Premier League, with all these different top European leagues and the stadiums and the players. So that way, even when the new game gets announced, they can still get Mbappe to be the cover art for the game because Mbappe is technically licensed by EA and not FIFA, if you get what I mean. Um, That's true. So it's one of those where uh, it'll be interesting to see who FIFA picks to be the third-party developer. Maybe it's a 2K or someone else because... Yeah, we had Pez kind of being like the main competitor of FIFA, but no one really played Pez that much um, because I think what was the harmful for Pez was that only they had a very select amount of clubs they had licensing to. So if you ever played Pez and tried to do like Premier League, it wouldn't even be called Premier League. It would be called like English top tier or something like that. And the player yeah. and the team names would literally be like North London Blue, North London Yeah, Red. North London Blue. That's the one that sticks out to me. And, and then occasionally they do have licenses for very specific teams. Yeah, like, like they have Manchester like United, Roma. Liverpool, Roma, Juventus, Barcelona, Bayern. Um, but it's just like no one really wants to play that. Like when you play like FIFA, it's kind of fun to play FIFA because you know for a fact teams like Manchester United, Leicester, Arsenal, Tottenham are going to be in there. And you're, all those players are also going to be in there with their actual player faces. And that's what makes it fun for like the casual gamer because they're like, oh, I get to play with like Ronaldo. At Manchester United, you know, um, so I don't know. Yeah, I, and then, if they do like the third party route, I'm like, it's going to be interesting to see how they were, how they're going to be able to get the licensing and all of that that comes along with it's, it. It's it's a little annoying too, just because if you think about it also, it's already hurting even the current FIFA game. I guess we can still call it that FIFA 22, mm-hmm. where the licensing is still also affecting them. Like you don't see the Brazilian national team. In the yeah. game because they lost and a lot of a lot of the that. South American national teams aren't in there too, which is and unfortunate. Even on top of that, you, you got Pio Monte Caccio. Ah, yeah, <laughs> the, 
freaking Juventus the Roma, past several. Roma are not a team in there anymore. Um, yeah, you know, like, like the list goes on, but it's just like I, I'm a little worried about that. If there is this divide, oh yeah, we battle just be of, like, like licensing right. deals. It's like if you want yeah, Premier like, League, you got to go to EA. But if you want to play with like Bundesliga, you got to get the FIFA. You know? Yeah, that'd be dumb. So hopefully it that doesn't yeah skew into that. Yeah, hopefully it works itself out because I think the one thing that would be, uh, I, I think like you, like you said, I think that would be really annoying to basically pick between licensing deals. Um, yeah, I'm thinking here. But yeah, I think the biggest thing, like that would be like the biggest annoyance is like how do they fight for licensing deals? I think what will probably end up happening is that FIFA will basically, like the new FIFA games after FIFA 23 will have access to all the legit national teams and all the European international competitions that are governed by FIFA, like AFCON, um, you know, AFCON World Cup. Yeah. Like all, everything that is governed by FIFA will all be in the FIFA game, but then like EA would lose out on all of that. So probably, unfortunately that means like maybe no national team, like legit national teams, but you can have all the club teams. That's what I'm thinking will happen. I hope that's not the case, but you just, you just never know with these things. Oh man. Maybe it's time to just stop playing these games. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like it's just become greed. Gosh dang. It's all greed at this point. It's all um, money. Yeah, it's essentially pretty it's sad money. Uh, but but I, mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe FIFA because I think what Pez what FIFA has that Pez didn't is like FIFA has the name FIFA. So maybe that will encourage like if if Two K or some other company picks up FIFA and like makes a really good game, maybe that will encourage EA to like step up their game too to like make something that is just as good. So maybe we could be in a point where we even get a better, you know, simulator of like real life soccer, but who knows? Who knows where this is? That's maybe. But even then, if you look at all the other sporting games too, you got like Madden, you got uh, 2K for basketball. Yeah. They don't really have many competitors either besides you got like the Mario version. Yeah. That's completely different. I think 2K had NBA Live for a little bit, but then I think it folded because they just could not get enough people to buy the game over 2K or it just wasn't good compared to 2K comparatively. Yeah, it was not very good. And then also for, I don't know, even like games are really good. Like I assume uh, NCAA football, like that stopped altogether. So, well, actually, (laughs) it's funny that we mentioned... It's funny that we mentioned EA Sports FC, but like I, I didn't know if you noticed this, but like EA Sports, they they're gonna they're making they're in the production of making a college football game, but I think it's literally called college football, whatever year because they can't use the NCAA name uh, because of licensing oh and gosh. all that. But I think with the NIL deals, I think they're able to I guess sign on players or sign on like teams, so they they're they're gonna have like legit teams and all that and players. But they can't use the NCAA name because I guess NCAA holds the right to that name. So it's like very mm-hmm. convoluted, but I think they're finding ways to work around it almost. Interesting. That's the first I heard about that too, but that's kind of goofy that you're going to see. College football, 24. Yeah. Hey, it's better <laughs> than nothing. We haven't had that's a true. college football game since 2012, which or 2014 actually. Yeah. Um, and we're so missing out on the prime years of UGA right now. Yeah. It would be the best team in the game, but... Exactly. Gosh dang. At least they're making it now. So we'll see. But yeah. at least for this game, back to FIFA or I guess EA Sports FC. I don't know. It's it's going to be a lot of confusion for the most part, mm-hmm. I feel like. And then 
hopefully, as you're saying, as a competitor does come through and then kind of gives kind of one of these big names a big kind of comp- competitor because usually EA, they're kind of known as the the main monopoly in all these sports games besides 2K for mm-hmm. basketball. But at least for like all the other games we just mentioned, like Madden, NHL, FIFA. Yeah. They're all EA sports. Much- they're all from one company, Electronic Arts. Yeah. And they're, <laughs> we can probably roast them. They're not going to sponsor us. Like they're like the devil. Yeah. They just want all your money. Yeah. So they, it's they like have a, a money move right on here. the industry. Yeah. They definitely have a stranglehold <laughs> so, on like the the whole like gaming environment in terms of sports games. Um but I don't know. We'll I don't know. I'm I guess I'm not as pessimistic about it. I think I'm kind of excited to see what happens. Yeah, it sucks like the branding is going to be like different, but I'm I'm kind of excited to see what will happen with this change after FIFA 23. Man. At least, you know, are you one of those collectors that has the box for every single FIFA since they've been made? I don't because I've actually bought like, I've, I've like like digital had the ones? last three FIFAs are all digital for me. All yeah, the same. last three. So, so that's going to be a little goofy to see. But yeah, I remember man. back in the day I had like, a I had FIFA 04 and PS2 and then I had FIFA 08 on PS3 then FIFA 11 and 12 um, and 14 on PS3. And then I had 15, 16, 17 on ps4 and then like the latest one after that i bought was 20 on digital so mm. yeah i think mine since fifa 17 were all digital yeah but man this is gonna be so weird kind of switching that and having that just i mean we're just kind of saying like this is mostly like because like, i mean i mean this is like kind of like the biggest deal that kind of comes all of it it's just what is the new normal name that we're just going to call this game now because like yeah. like it'll just become completely something different it's like when the catholics changed their prayer at the very end whatever their their thing is like they added some extra thing to their their mm-hmm. sermon or whatever but yeah. i mean this is just so weird to see i i don't like it <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just you got two opinions. i i'm i'm kind of looking forward to it tyler's not liking it so there you go i'm just I don't know. I don't want to have to switch something where it's just like in my head. I'm just so used to saying I, I play FIFA. Now I'm just going to say this long winded EA Sports FC. EA Sports FC. And people are going to be like, what's that? And you're like, oh, here we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, we wanted to we wanted to put that as a wild card because it's uh, it's honestly funny that we've had back to back like kind of FIFA videos because last week mm-hmm. was about uh, FIFA 22 being a free game on PlayStation Plus, And now this week it's FIFA officially announcing the split from EA Sports. FIFA 23 will be the last title with EA, and then after that, it will be a split. Um, so, yeah, it's just funny how it's just kind of been brought up in the news. But, yeah, it'll be interesting for us because, as you've heard from our last episode, we do play um, FIFA. And, you know, it's just kind of been like something that's been a part of what we do for a long time. So it'll be very interesting to see how it changes when the whole rebrand goes and changing up the naming and how that affects gameplay and everything like that. So I uh, just wanted to put that out there, but uh, yeah, I guess with that, that kind of wraps up season four, episode 143 for us. As we always say, you can uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel at the premier pod to catch video versions of the podcast. You can always also give us a follow on Twitter and Facebook at the premier pod. Follow us on there. Send us any questions for any future topics you would like us to discuss. 
And if you listen to this um, podcast on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to leave a rating and review. It helps us out. But if you don't want to do that and you simply listen, that's more than appreciated. And also, if you want to share this podcast with um, a friend that's into soccer, um, that's that would be greatly appreciated as well because we appreciate the help anywhere we get it. So thanks again for watching. That wraps up Season 4, Episode 143 for us. Thanks again. Peace. Peace. Peace.